Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with the corner man. Remember in the movie Rocky when trainer Mickey is in the ring advising the man himself when his life is on the line? Mickey had been in his corner for all the ups and downs of training and life. And so when the pivotal moment in the ring occurred, Rocky knew who to turn to for the most accurate and winning advice. This is who Dr. Jess Spencer is for those who are at the top of their game and want to stay there. Beginning in a welfare home in the United States, committing at 10 years old to attend the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich and then achieving it, finding movie producer John Burton as a father figure and glass-blowing artist mentor, take all that in, and later showing his work in New York City galleries, being recognized as International Chiropractor of the Year, winning Tour de France Team Chiro and Mental Coach, and 45-time Olympic World Tour de France and National Champion winner. This is no coach. This is no mentor. This is the man you want in your corner when you want to win and you want to do it over and over and over again. And just when he thought that his clients like Tiger Woods, U2, and Nike would challenge him, it's been his daughter, Kin, who he adopted at 10 years old from the gritty streets of Columbia, who really call him and his wife to a higher game. Now, years ago, I had the privilege of acting as Dr. Jeff's proxy agent, which allowed me to showcase his Champions Blueprint systems to the business community in Australia. And one of the key things he taught me, which I don't even, look, I don't think he knows he taught it to me because he taught it to me through example. And he taught me that in that short working relationship, I still employ this success tool to this day. And it's always respond to people on the spot. Even if I don't have the answer for them, like just update them. Now, this may seem like a small thing, but as I endeavored to get Dr. Jeff on Australian soil and create sponsorship deals for him, there were many inquiries that were left open-ended. And this was an area that I was unfamiliar with. So rather than update it, 
update him. And hopefully I'm not the only one that thinks this is a good idea. I thought, why don't I ignore him? There's even a name for it now. It's called ghosting. So I ghosted him a little. I didn't message him because I wanted to have answers and I wanted to have clear guidance. So my idea was, oh, silence is much better than saying, I don't know, or there's so many irons in the fire, but there's no responses yet. But Dr. Jeff taught me that no matter how busy you are, stay connected. That's the priority. And look, that's a huge lesson for me. And I believe it's been a game changer for me in business. So Dr. Jeff, I know you don't really realize it, but through your example, you've really shifted the way I do business. So that's just one thank you. Mwah well, you. Yeah, back at you a million times over and uh, the journey continues. And just again, uh, so much appreciated our time together you and myself, some of the most incredible experiences ever. So it's been more than my pleasure. Love it. So are you, are you ready to crack past the start line and get this race underway? Cause that's yeah, let's go. absolutely right. Let's do it. Okay. He's a cyclist, my friend. So look, I've done my best to describe the great variety of things that have helped shape the corner man that you are today. So, you know, my inquiring mind wants to dive right into a question about how come some people realize their dream in this lifetime while others seem to die with the music still in them? Well, I think a lot of that is uh, having a model to follow to be able to manifest your dreams. Mm. Uh, there's a couple of different models that I've seen people use as the template that will take them from where they are to where, where they, they want to go. There's the, the gap model where I'm here and this is where I want to go. And there's this big empty space here and, the way I close the space between where I am and where I want to go is I have a big, hairy, audacious goal. I try hard. I stay positive. I don't give up. I stay in the game. I believe. And sometimes people do succeed and sometimes they don't. You know, that's what most people do. And it's just work harder, more detailed plan. And that hasn't really proven itself to deliver. It's actually created, most people I know have got massive goal frustration. They know they're capable of more, but no matter how hard they try, they can't move the needle. And, you know, when people get to that point, sometimes they go to the hope model. The hope model is, well, I'll just sort of guess at everything and keep my fingers crossed and then I'll try and I'll take some time off and I'll think about it. Then I'll go back and try again. And that doesn't work out so well either. But I've discovered in my, um, you know, almost 50 years in the high performance world that in that space between where we are and where we want to go, there's actually a 10 step process has got two parts that if we take our goal and we put it into this 10 step model in two parts that it allows us to achieve our goals consistently, predictably, and repeatedly. And first you prepare well, and then you perform to achieve your goal. And I feel like most of this is that the models that we currently follow can't deliver on the promise of goal achievement. And so I've kind of cracked the code on how to get there through this model that I've discovered through my experience with the people that I've helped, uh, you know, achieve their dreams and their goals. Awesome. Okay. So I didn't give this warning to everyone. Ooh, I'm going to give a warning <laughs> right better. now because it was a warning I needed to heed when I listened to you recently on a podcast, I thought I was running and I was like, oh, I need my paper and pen. So if you're one of those people that's running or in the car or stuff like that, <laughs> I really recommend that you listen in, intently. I'll do my best to summarize because Jeff is like, Dr. Jeff is a scientist at, at heart. I mean, when he speaks. And so you feel like you really want to write this stuff down. He says a lot, he packs a punch. So um, two state, you know, that two stages that you're cracking the code in 
preparation and performance. Exactly. Even that distinction is massive for people realizing that there's two phases. And I know that as a 10 year old, and, and by the way, you have to go look at this on Dr. Jeff's website. So D, Dr. Jeff Spencer.com. So D R G J E F F Spencer.com. He shows you a USA cycling Jersey where he wrote three commitments on it. One, no excuses. Two, train hard. Three, be brave. I love it. Like a 10 year old. It's like, boom, what else is necessary? So what had you write this down at such a young age? And, and what had you then drive toward this goal? Well, I was working in a bike shop and this guy came in and he had these gigantic legs and I wasn't really interested in the legs, but he had this t-shirt on that said USA Olympic team. And when I saw it, I wanted the t-shirt. I just was riveted on that. So I went home and I drew my plan and it was very simple. Be brave. Don't give up. You know, work hard, no excuses. And uh, I had the self-start gene. And uh, I've always, when I get called to do something, I always show up for duty and I'm very vigilant about doing what has to go right to be able to manifest that, which I'm called to. And I was fortunate. I had an amazing coach. He was a three-time Olympian and five-time national champion, but he was unique in that he taught me how to win. It's not, you're going to try harder. You want it bad enough. You're going to get there. He never said that to me. He said, I'm going to teach you how to be a thinking, thoughtful, calculating uh, athlete person that will learn the art of achieving goals. And so I owe him basically everything along with my glass art mentor who uh, shared with me another side that cultivated me as a person that made me a better athlete. When I was helping him create his masterpieces at lunch, we would listen to uh, poetry. He would read to me poetry. He would read the philosophers. He would play classical music. And he said, I need to fill you up on this stuff because you don't always become a better something by doing more of it. Sometimes you need something else that builds you as a human. And let me share with you the side of me that I can give to you and you have the capacity for absorbing it. So with my natural uh, drive to get things done and uh, my passion to commit and the guidance that I had, and I was willing to take uh, guidance, that's what made the difference, uh, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've held obviously very closely that I've shared with others to help them be able to manifest what their potential really is. Wow. And I want to honor you in that below that t-shirt, you also did write 1972 Munich. You wrote that the Olympics on there as well. And it was very clear as a young boy. And, and I thank you for introducing this, the other mentor in your life um, with artistry, because I feel that what you do bring is more than just a breakout performance, meaning you, you, aren't, you didn't end there with the Olympics. That could have been your story. That could have mm-hmm. been what we're talking about today, but there's, there's so much more than that. So how do you feel that the holistic way, you know, even from the art to the science, why is that important for, for more than a breakout performance, for success to actually be continuous? Well, if we're too narrow focused on something, we only know that percentage of what's available in terms of information and possibility. But if we build into our schedules time to explore new or different, unfamiliar, Mm -hmm. put ourselves in maybe in a fearful situation that's safe, um, it gives us another uh, 
perspective and look at things to combine things in a new way that's never been done before. And we perform better when all of the faculties that make us up are uh, cultivated purposely over time. So again, my art served me well. It made me a better athlete. My athletics made me a better student. All of those together gave me an insight into possibilities that if I was just involved with one thing continuously, I couldn't see because I was too close to it. And, you know, we're taught to hyper-focus on everything. Well, if we hyper-focus, then we're not going to see things in the periphery that are maybe better options. Uh It allows us to avoid maybe a blind side that can take us out of the game, but we neutralize it. So we stay in the game and we, we prosper. So I I just think, again, when we build a better us by exposing ourselves to different consistently and predictably, it just makes us a better person in so many ways because we can see so many different possibilities. Wow. Okay. So I'm thinking a lot of things there because thank you for bringing up this idea that, that the world wants us to focus on one thing and how that can close down, you know, our peripheral vision, like you said, and there's other possibilities lingering that we then can't see. And there's almost like this um, instruction to be like the horses with their little um, pathology. Yeah. Those little glass, not the glasses, but whatever they put on the horses to see. Um, So, okay. I wasn't going to ask this, but if you're, cause you're a cyclist um, and you still enjoy riding to this day, if you were like having those blinders on like the horse and you were cycling, what would you have missed that allowed you to ultimately be successful in cycling? Well, I I think there's always a compulsion in a belief that so much mythology is involved with goal achievement. Actually the biggest myth of all is that goal setting equals and ensures goal achievement because it doesn't Mm. goal selection is not goal achievement. There are two completely (laughs) different things. And so I think, you know, for me, uh, peripheral awareness is really important because again, the mythology of hyper-focus, we can miss a lot and we can actually put ourselves in harm way in harm's way. And for me, when you have total peripheral vision with the ability to focus on getting stuff done, you can see better options, then it uh, drops your anxiety. And when your anxiety drops, then your creativity increases exponentially. Uh-huh. So you can get more done in less time and it's a lot more effective. So I, it's a skill that we need to cultivate because a lot of the mythology that we hear about uh, goal achievement isn't real and it can't get us there. There's a whole other side to this. So that's what I'm interested in because a lot of things that we're taught can't deliver. And then we think we're the problem because the experts know, and I'm saying, well, experts don't always know, you know, there, but there is something that the champions know and that's how to get from where you are to where you want to go in the least time, like with least effort. So that's why I spend a lot of time, you know, observing and contemplating the mythology of things. If I want it bad enough, it's going to happen. Well, not really. Because if you don't have the skill, you, you can't get there, you know, and if you think good thoughts, that's not the same as taking action. So there's a lot of mythology that we have to kind of deconstruct to look at what it really is to give ourselves half a chance to be able to be a repeat goal achiever. Okay, so I want to go, I want to dive deeper into goals here, um, because you said goal selection doesn't mean goal achievement. And I want to also address, just then I got this 
thought that the reason why there's a lot of mythology is because I think people have a good heart and they want to describe a system that's worked for them, but often it's our capacity to actually reverse engineer ourselves. I almost think it's impossible um, to do it accurately. Therefore having somebody in your corner who can see what's going on um, that's helpful. But I've also, you know, being married to a gold medalist have noticed that the way that she expresses some of the things that she did and the way that people hear that are two different things. Absolutely. And that that's been really interesting to me. It's like, Oh my gosh, there's like 19 steps missing here. Um, and that's because it, it was, it, it's not like intuitive. It was just done in a way that wasn't accurately um, described or it's very hard to describe. So let's get onto this, not goal selection. So let's go beyond goal selection. And you make this comment that I like, I'd rather the right goal than a smart goal. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. The champions again, like to me, the reason why having the right goal is essential is because it aligns the mind, body, and soul. And when the mind, the body, and the soul align, then we have the ability to stay committed to what we're doing because we have goal focus. We can focus on the small stuff to get stuff done and we have peripheral awareness. So I actually created a criteria called the right goal criteria where we can take a goal that we're thinking about pursuing and we can challenge it against the right goal criteria. And each of the letters in the word right is a criteria that we have to challenge our proposed goal against. So for example, like when I wanted to be Olympian, uh, the R and right stands for relevant. I had to defend why is this relevant to become an Olympian? I had to defend that. The I and right stands for indicators. Like what are the indicators in my mind, body, and soul that tell me that this is the right goal for me intellectually from a body perspective and from my soul? And I have to be accountable and precise about defining what that is. And is this enough uh, from a quantitative perspective for me to do it? Is the exchange for what I'm doing appropriate for me to do this? And then the G in right is gravity. Where's the gravity? Is the goal choosing me? Am I choosing the goal? How much emotional connection do I have to the goal? Well, let's, you tell me about it. So because we have to be committed to that. We have to understand that. We have, need to feel that. Then the H in right is height. Does the goal have enough altitude for our mind to want to engage it where the mind gets excited? It's doing something new. It's fresh. Or is it underwhelming? Well, maybe it's not a good idea to pursue the goal if it's not big enough and if we haven't thought about it. And the uh, T in right is timing. Is it the right time to do it? Do we have the time to do it from start to completion? Am I okay with the length of time that it's going to take to get there? So I feel like, we take this right goal criteria and we challenge our goal against it. And then we develop a relationship with the goal, which most people do not have. Most people look at the goal as a vehicle to get what they want. And they think about what they want more than the relationship to the goal itself. And so when we take the time to do this, which I've created the right goal criteria, then it, it changes the way that we look. It changes our connection to the goal. It aligns our mind, body, and soul. It gives us everything that we need to be, committed to it because we understand it and we know that it's the right goal for us. Awesome. Now, all of you, do you remember what I said about pen and paper? Now, you know, 
what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, and now inside of this idea of the right goal and actually challenging it, like I can tell there's the goal is, is now being respected. It's being challenged. Yeah. It's like, yeah. hold on, let me see if we fit, you know, this yeah. alignment part, exactly. which is awesome. Um, so when you're doing that and you're saying that it fits, I love when you said, um, I've heard you say, when you go in the jungle, you'd never, well, you'd rarely go there without a map of some sort because there's dangers right. in there. And you want to know that you have what it takes to deal with the challenges and the dangers. Um, so tell, talk me through a little bit the two phases. So there's like the preparation and a lot of people don't do a lot of preparation phase. That's, that's part of the mythology. People think, well, let's just start and make it up. You know, because if we, you know, the universe will fill in the gaps. What, you know, I'm a big fan of the universe, but if you're going to pursue a goal, it's always important to make sure that you've got jungle fitness before you go into the jungle. You know, let's make sure you got the right goal. Let's make sure you understand why you're doing this to give yourself purpose. Do you have the mindset to address the challenges that you're going to face? Yes or no. Uh, do you have the resources to actually make this happen? Do you have the time? Do you have the team? Do you have the materials and the supplies? So it's always a good idea to make sure you got the jungle fitness before you go into the jungle. And then once you go into the jungle, this is where you're actually pursuing the goal. You kind of have to know the path so that you can anticipate where the difficulties may be. Because sometimes it is going to be difficult and it has to be difficult to get to where you want to go. But if we don't know that, because all our friends and all the books tell us, well, this should be easy. Whatever you choose, you're going to manifest. You just believe it long enough. If the dream is big enough and everything backfills, that's not exactly how it works out. And so when we have a map that we can follow, again, our anxiety drops, we can name where we are, we can name it, and we know what to do to move beyond it safely. And our anxiety drops, we conserve energy, we're happy, we're optimistic, we believe in the process, and eventually we get there. Okay, this is a huge distinction. I, I think this is where it's gold and it isn't being talked about and, and what you are offering is massive in that if I'm trying to get somewhere and I use my GPS, when you can't see your little ball, blue ball moving on the track, there's a sense of anxiety. Like, yeah. am I right? Off the cliff. Yeah. Like, am I going the right way? Like there's nothing more daunting than the thought that you've been traveling like 20 minutes in the wrong direction. Right. And because people haven't prepared and don't have a tracking mechanism, Exactly. I think that you, you just said it. You're either about to, to fall off a cliff and you don't know it. Or when, you're, when things get really hard, you don't recognize that, hey, this is the hill. Like, this is the hill and here's what's coming next. And this is normal. Like, yes, exactly. everyone's out of breath here. Yes. And so I think that that distinction would keep people in the game because it's, the, it's like a false sense of what it really takes which I actually think is uh, kind of innocent because I think that in retrospect, when people recount the story and then try to reverse engineer, there's like this heroism, like a heroin, oh, what's the word? Heroism or something about it. Like I'm jumping around a little bit, but this is a interesting example. So my, um, uh, when I had Jordan, my midwife told me this really interesting story that she hears mothers talk about their birthing experience. And she thinks, that's not at all what happened. But the mom remembers it very heroically. So she often tells 
really crazy daunting stories too that didn't really happen like that. Um, and so she noticed that whether it's chemical, whether it's just natural thing, but the recount and the recall is quite different than her experience mm -hmm. of being in the room. So I'm thinking that that's part of why we want to ensure that the person who's teaching and sharing with us hasn't been in the height of emotion. Maybe the neurochemistry was such that they can actually see what was going on and be able to recount. Yeah. I just think the, the tell would be better from a corner man who isn't in the fight than sometimes the recall of someone who is and has been punched in the face a lot of times. Well, for sure, because we do then adopt a bias based upon the lens that we're looking at the situation through. And for me, no matter what we think about it, there's still a reality about wherever we are. Yeah. And based on that reality, there's always a single best action to take based upon where we are and the circumstances that surround us. And that's why the map is, you can actually see the map on the back there. See the, the little map right there? Okay, so he's pointing to um, the goal roadmap achievement roadmap. roadmap? Yeah, that's what's behind me here. And so uh, um, what's important is that if we can name where we are on a map and say, hey, we're here. Mm -hmm. And because we're here, it means this. And we do this to move forward. Mm -hmm. Then you know how easy that is for the mind, body, and soul to be able to embrace because our anxiety drops. But if we're just in this giant push and we're doing all these things and we're, we're hoping something's going to happen, our anxiety stays really high. Mm. And then the risk of making an amateurish mental error based on our fear-based survival instincts goes, it like goes through the roof. So the idea of having a tangible map that you can actually look at and name where you are, it also uh, is assuring to your team and those people that you're working with that you're showing good leadership because you're naming where you are and they feel confident because you're able to name it. And if you can see yourself there and you know what that means, then you're apt to stay in the game. And with any goal, it's going to be, there are going to be difficult moments and you just need to know that. And if you know when they're coming, because you can name where you are and you know that what's coming next could be difficult, mm -hmm. you can stay in the game indefinitely. If you know, what to do based upon what you can anticipate happening. And I think you've described accurately why the statistics on people who quit at everything that they do, why they're there, because without a map, um, there's no recognition of where they were even on the, in the process. And perhaps, yeah. you know, they turned around and went back to the way it, it had always been before. So, in, in the champion's blueprint, so we talked just a little bit about goal achievement roadmap, which people can um, find out more on your website. But in the champion's blueprint, you know, let's talk about the 10% the who don't quit, who actually keep going. You describe the difference, however, between a breakout performance and like ongoing success being like, like you said, it can be indefinite. You can have career success and, mm -hmm. um, you know, some athletes, some business people have had one success after the other. What's the difference? What distinguishes one from the other? Well, certainly the methodology, because the goal achievement roadmap does allow you to achieve your goals consistently, predictably, and repeatedly, because it's a model that history has revealed. And if we have a model that can deliver, because it helps us prepare well and appropriately, and then it 
takes us through the different steps that we need to execute the goal to achieve it, then we're using our time uh, efficiently and our trust is high and our anxiety is low. Uh, if we're just making it up as we go, or we try to duplicate a previous success, or we try to launch a comeback, those things scare me because that's not the right reason to pursue a goal. You should, in my opinion, take whatever goal you're proposing, and let's say it's a provisional goal, we're just considering it now, and you run it through the goal achievement roadmap, at least the first step, first step is goal clarity. Let's make sure this is the right goal for you. Because if it's not, then there will be a cost to pay for that. If it is the right goal, but it's not the right time, we'll save it for later. But if it is the right goal, because you challenged it, then again, you create a different relationship with the goal. And I just feel like most people, they're told to dream big and have big, hairy, audacious goals and just kind of go for it. And that's not the way that prolific achievers go about achieving their goals and how they amass memorable legacies. And is that the same? Like when you think about people who say that I'm afraid of success and maybe they have that's, like, that's, that's garbage. That's total that's yeah. garbage. Total garbage. You know what that means to me? That means uh, I don't see a path forward. Right. That's what that means. Because I said the same thing in Canada where you're from. I was talking with this woman, the most successful, you know, real estate woman, you know, in Canada. And she says, I have fear of success. I said, no, you don't. Wait, you're kidding me. It's like you're at the top of the pile and you're telling me you have fear of success. No, you don't. You just don't see a way to get from where you are to where you want to go. And you're afraid of that. Well, I think you should be afraid because if you don't see a path that you can name and look at that makes sense to your brain, then your body is gifting you with a warning signal that says, don't move. You're in danger. So, you know, it's just, even like with depression, I was talking with a guy about this yesterday. So, you know, the depression usually is a person isn't living their own life. They're living their life through what everybody else wants for them. And because they have no ability to decide for themselves or take a stance behind it, and therefore they're lost and they can't see a way out. So they kind of turn inward. Um, I'm not a psychologist, but I was just kind of sharing this observation with him. So I, I think, again, unless you have a model, then, then you're left with, you have two other options. You can do the gap model. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have a big, hairy, audacious goal, maybe even 10 of them, because somebody told me it's got to be big. I don't even know how to achieve goals yet, but they told me I have the biggest goal possible. And then everything backfills and it finds a way to the finish line. History, that's not how it works out. Right. Or, or, we, or we hope. You know, I, I feel like we got to get the anxiety low, confidence us because we can see it on a piece of paper. Right goal. We know how to prepare. Once we're prepared, then we start. We know the five steps that we're going to go through when we start pursuing our goal until we achieve it. And I know what to expect in each of those steps. And I know what to do to get through each of those steps. Something that comes up when I think about um, the preparation phase, you know, finding the right goal and getting the clarity is. Yes. Okay, so this is what I, I thought was that would help someone who wants to hesitate, meaning somebody who's a little bit like, I want to perfect this. So I want to talk about the word perfectionism for a sec, because I love what you say about that. You just yeah. nailed that for me and has never come back since you nailed perfectionism. So hold that thought over here. Define the difference between preparation and hesitation. 
Well, sure. Preparation is where you're going through a systematic process of preparing and vetting to have objectively amassed everything that's necessary and required enough to start pursuing your goal. Where, what was the second one? We, I was well, going to, I was, oh, well, you're going to talk about perfectionism. Okay, but, but you were going to... Oh, oh no, the distinction was between um, pre- preparation I mean, hesit- and hesitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He- hesitation means it's like, I, I don't trust my preparation. I'm not convinced that I'm ready to do this. That's really what we're saying, you know? And so if we go through the five steps in preparation, goal clarity, it gives us goal focus. Motives, why am I doing this? That gives us drive. What's the impact of my goal achieved on myself, on others, the world around me, and my legacy? That gives us purpose. Do I have the mindset for this, yes or no? Do I have all the resources, time, energy, materials, supplies, team, course charted? When you look at all that, and it's been objectively uh, confirmed, then there's only one thing left to do, and that's start. Hmm. And a lot of people, they, well, we're just going to start because we're told just to start. Yeah, there's something to say for that. Yeah, you don't want to wait too long. I get it. But it's like, you want to make sure that your anxiety is low because we've gone through a process that's confirmed to us that we're ready to start. And you don't need to be perfect. You just need enough to responsibly get started. So I'm thinking that some people might be getting excited about actually having a map and a well, goal. They should. Yeah, which they should. And, <laughs> and the biggest complaint people have is time. I don't have time. So it can I'm also feed. Right. So another bogus thing. So I actually That's think funny. that what you've said has reoriented time. Big time, big time, because I feel that a lot of the time is spent starting all these things that are going nowhere. So how does this focused clarity allow people to find time in their life? Well, number one, um, you know, time is generally, when we take action, we organize our life. People think, well, I got to get organized before I, you know, first, well, You don't. You just got to do the right things first and the organization sort of happens. And most people are fearful. Everybody wants a a backup plan, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, because they're not convinced that maybe what they're doing is the right choice. And I understand why, because they haven't vetted the goal as being a right goal. And if we vetted the goal, then we're confident in it and we can invest our time uh, and our resources in it while we leave other time left over. And and the other thing I want to say about time is that, um, you know, I think the most fundamental life skill is goal achievement. It's life's primal skill because when we can achieve our goals, we can manifest our dreams and we can create a memorable legacy and we can live a life of our vision and it gives us the ability to live a life of value and contribution. But if we can't achieve goals, remember achieving a goal is different than goal setting. And if we can't achieve our goals, then again, our anxiety goes way up. Our belief in our future goes down. Our confidence in ourself and our ability to provide then is compromised as well. So again, I think the idea, most people try to do everything to cover the bases because they're not sure where to put their time and where to put their effort. Mm. That's my experience. Yeah, and I love that. Thank you for like, 
um, kind of molding, sculpting that into a, it's very holistic when you There's look at it like that. Yeah. Can I say one more thing yeah. while it's on top of my mind is that another really important thing about this is that it's more important to learn how to achieve goals first, then you can go for bigger goals. And it's really important that we learn the process first with smaller goals, and then we increase the level of challenge of our goals appropriately. So, but we don't try to go for too much too soon because when we push too hard too early, people blow up. And usually in their mid forties, they have a catastrophic health event or they have a, a relationship failure where they can lose, you know, 10 and 20, 30 years overnight due to something that's preventable. So I think that if people don't be in such a rush to get somewhere, learn the skill, build your confidence, don't compromise your health. You'll get it figured out. Once you get it figured out, then you get a long runway to create the level of legacy and the number of goals that are aspirational that you could potentially achieve. You know, people that's, have this. That's idea. important. That's that's huge. Like build, build it instead build of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I love that because I feel a lot of people's relationship to goals is one of they say things like "I'm not good at that" or they they hide or defend, and it's not a positive relationship to goal achievement. And so this is how you build it. And so it doesn't matter where you start from. Yeah, it's a skill. Life, life's primal skill. It's the primal tool. And being perfect at it is not part of this. So give everybody <laughs> the freedom that you gave me with yeah. why champions know that perfectionism isn't how you get there. Well, it's actually, it's a trick um, because our human mind, that's not always our friend, which I think we all know, it talks us out of some really good stuff. It's pretty good at that. Um, yeah, perfection. Uh, actually, I helped a guy win a gold medal uh, because he was so steeped in perfection. He thought to win the gold medal, he had to put in the perfect jump. And his team and everybody else, that how they were going to do it, we were going to make a contingency for every detail. And if we had a contingency for every detail, then that means we could put in the perfect jump to win the gold medal. And I said, no, it's not the way it works because your mind is going to invent a detail that doesn't exist that you think you need to find that isn't really there. And you're going to invest all your confidence in that thing that you're not going to find because it's not there. Therefore, you've kind of already lost because you're believing in everything that you don't have that doesn't exist. So I said, look, two things in you win. Just go back to your normal warm up that you used to do. And just your first four steps of the run up will help where your foot hits the board to get the lift to win the gold medal. And so the point is here is that, um, but unless we have a map, then we're guessing at everything. So again, um, I think it's important to differentiate and put your effort on the one or two things that have to go right in the moment to move things forward, not really look at trying to be perfect by covering all the bases. Wow. The one or two things that have to go right is where the champions focus their time. And that's always a moving target, of course. But then it becomes prioritization. Yes. It carries momentum forward. One or two things that count, not perfection. And I love that story because you you write something that everyone can have access to. I hope I get it right. Correct me. Don't blow it before you just when oh, you're yeah. about to win. Yeah, you can actually go to my website and just put your email address yeah. and opportunity. Yeah, it's like how not to blow it just before you win. How not to blow it. 
okay, so that personally in that story, the guy was about to blow it actually. Um, and, and just Nat and I working with so many Olympians, my own life, I'm like, Oh my God, I could tell you how to blow it right before because been there. So lots of reverse engineering of self there. Um, but yes, going to the Olympics, um, whether it's a health thing that occurs, whether it's something with the ecosystem, the parents, the coach, the blow it part of things is massive. So go and read, like put your email in there, www.drjeffspencer.com and read about that. And now I'm just going to share the story that impacted me because it was a long time ago. So now Jeff has upgraded his perfectionism story. But back in the day, he used to say, remember those days when you're studying for a test and (laughs) you would be outside the test room and you had your book in your hand and you were trying to study that one part, that 10% that you didn't have time to study for, or you felt like you didn't understand. And you were just until the the bell rang and you were in the test room, you were just nutting out that 10%. And he said, that's what perfectionism does, but the champion doesn't. And he said, you know, a perfectionist is focusing on the 10% that they don't know. And then they go in the test and wonder why the 90% isn't coming out. And I was like, Oh my God, he was there during my organic chemistry exam. (laughs) He knew what happened. So, um, you freed me from the shackles. I call myself a recovering perfectionist now um, because I do. I think about that all the time. What is it that I do know? Um, what can I do well here? And, and so thank you for that. Um, that My one friend. really hit the mark. Um, and so, okay. So what is one thing, or, and there's probably many, but what is one thing that champions know, but those observing them would be surprised about? Well, it would be when it comes to performing, they trust their preparation and don't try harder. They trust in their preparation. Because, I mean, if you ask anybody, ask, you know, Nat, how she won her Olympic uh, gold medal, she'll say, I don't know, I just showed up and I played, you know, and it worked out. Well, what she's really saying is that all of my preparation, I put my trust in it and I showed up and I didn't try too hard because when we try too hard, our timing is always off because we're trying to be so perfect that we actually slow down and we can't think fast enough to do the actions necessary to be spontaneous in real time. And I think people would be really surprised, you know, at that. Uh, So in any event, it's a really an important, um, you know, skill to master because, you know, most people, let me just say one thing on this is that, there's the preparation side and then there's the performance side, but there's this little space between them called start. And it's always important to have a very deliberate start sequence that's well-defined and well-rehearsed that takes you from preparation to then pursuit of the goal itself. And a lot of times people think, well, I prepared enough. It's just going to naturally transition into performance. Well, we really need to, to show up and, have a deliberate process to execute that which has to go right to get the momentum to move forward that's actually step number six uh, in my program it's called actually called start wow okay so i don't know about you guys but i'm thinking i know who i want in my corner um i just feel like there's about a thousand other things i want to talk about um i want to talk about how 
none of this was anointed on Jeff. He comes from a welfare family. Um, we're not going to get to talk about it today, but you know, the, the story of your father mm -hmm. and what happened to him. Um, we didn't get to talk about your daughter because I find that's um, even more interesting. Yeah. Um, adopting her and just mm -hmm. seeing um, the photos of, of her growing up and playing soccer and things like that. So firstly, go see the most amazing website I have seen in a long time. It is so, it's beautifully done. It's well described and it's content rich. There's a lot there for us all. Um, Dr. Jeff, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for continuing to mentor me and for being willing to mentor our community because that's such a gift. Well, well, thank you. You guys have just been so delightful and I count you as family. So back at you. And just one more thing that I might offer to the crew is that I put together a 42 minute video that will give you an introduction to the goal achievement roadmap and some of the uh, essential elements in it. And if you'd like to go there, I suggest it. It's www.drjeffspencer.com is uh, um, Sarah just said there, but it's also forward slash roadmap experience, drjeffspencer.com forward slash roadmap experience. And that will take you to the 42 minute video. Please take the time to do that. Mm. Brilliant. Oh, Again, thank you for all the work, you know, all the content and, and ensuring that people have a map and um, are able to redefine their relationship with goals. So that's not just becoming professional goal setters, but actually um, enjoying, yeah, the execution. Manifestors. Yep, yeah. manifestors. Awesome. Thank, thank you, you so much. Love your work. Blessings. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.